John E. DuPont, an heir to the DuPont family fortune, lives here on the sprawling estate his family has called home for generations. Team Foxcatcher is all part of John DuPont's plan to support many athletes in their pursuit of Olympic glory. Most of your athletes, if they do it instinctively, they'll get right. And score on their opponent. They built this million dollar wrestling facility. It was amazing. John was this wealthy man, and then he was also like a scared kid that never really had a childhood. John started inviting individuals to come live in the houses and paid them a salary to be on his team. And you could see that. He wanted to be one of the guys. Eagles score high. David Schultz, a wealth of experience out there on the mat. I want to be the world champion in 91 and the Olympic champion in 92. And then I want to quit. <laughs> Before all my hair falls out. Dave just thought it was an unbelievable idea. These families and athletes, there truly was a sports utopia. Things just started going south real quick. Who's that coming out of there? Oh, it's the duck. John observed how people did gravitate towards Dave. I think that's out to John a little bit. John became super paranoid. I knew that he was doing cocaine because he wouldn't sleep. He would videotape the woods. Look at this. You see something there. Everyone was just kind of pacifying the guy because he was good for the sport. Dave genuinely liked John and tried to help him. Dave Schultz was the truest friend John had. Kill them all! <laughs> There's just no reason to live in an environment like that. Dave should have got out of there. John loved Dave, and then Dave became his demon that was after him. Fire and ambulance. Oh, God, please hurry. 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 My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why we killed 290. A study on why it's called Dimocide. Google it, Google it, Google it, Google it. I'm kind of retarded. World's coming to an end. Everybody wanted everybody. All the details about the line. Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 315 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me to my left is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions, what the fuck is going on? Guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got everything your heart desires. And when you use promo code AMERICA at checkout, you receive 50% off. Tell them, Art Jacob sent you to take a picture of yourself wearing the hats, the sweatpants, drinking the hibiscus tea, which our buddy Jesus Fuentes does not like for some reason. <laughs> um, 
some of that nitro cold brew to wake your ass up. Um, yeah, he's from Wakanda, America. Take a picture of yourself uh, drinking that shit. Yeah, and we've been recording for like two hours on the Patreon and whatnot, talking about everything under the sun. And I'm on some nitro cold brew because I was up all night because my son has been throwing up and shit. So uh, three hours of sleep and whatnot, and that nitro cold brew is feeling nice. So if you see me a little bit overzealous, it's because of that. So God bless the people over at Caveman Coffee. But speaking of sponsors, guys, I need everyone to head on over to superapparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. Uh, So... Check out the website, buy, find everything that you want, love, and desire. Put it in your cart, uh, like our special guest over here who has probably bought half of her merchandise. Uh, but before you hit checkout, guys, I need everyone to put in promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But, guys, we're not here to talk about how my son's been throwing up all night and how I'm fucking all twacked out on caveman coffee. He, he had food poisoning, by the way. Not like fucking he was drinking shots of tequila. <laughs> fucking two-year-old drinking shots of tequila. Like, we got to like, send him over to go hang out with Jesus and get a just, bowl of menudo. Yeah, not like he was hanging out with me last night. <laughs> <laughs> fucking um, listening to Vicente Fernandez crying. I, I, I gotta have one of those nights, by the way, like where I just like, I I haven't had a night like that in many years, dude. If you get married to a girl, dude, like we're gonna have like one, we're gonna go like we're gonna dress up like biceps and shit, like huh. with a shirt with our like chests exposed and shit, <laughs> and with like those boots with, with that the have taco like, meat camera, <laughs> <go? laughs> those pointy boots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dude, I, uh, man, a great Halloween costume idea, but we're gonna be Chilino Sanchez in the time. <laughs> <laughs> los, los Tigres del Norte. There you go. <laughs> I want to be the guy with like the luscious puffy fucking mullet and shit, dude. <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah, but anyways, guys, we're not here to talk about fucking Norteño music. Art, what are we here to talk about today? Well, we're here to talk about John Dupotts and the Foxcatcher Academy or Foxcatcher Farms, Farms, whatever. Murder team. But without further ado, guys, you might have heard another voice in the room here. Guys, that is the voice of none other Jordan. Fill in the blank. What's the last name? Olgeen. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, a, I knew he blanked out on it. That's why I was like, no, oh, I didn't blank let's, out let's, on it. But let's see if he could pronounce it even right. No, no, I was like, you know, whenever I hear like trying to get that's me a a pretty like, yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 I, where's where's that from? Like France <laughs> or some shit? Fucking coming around here? It's fucking a, it's a town in Israel, bro. <laughs> oh, really? Israel? Oh, yeah. in Jordan? No, no, no. Oh, I don't know. Jordan, Jordan's the capital. <laughs> some shit. Yeah. Jordan's a country. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a river. Yeah. No, I don't. Honestly, dude, I don't know. We looked up my last name and. We got like it was from Spain, but then like come to find out, like that wasn't the right right thing. So then I don't know where the fuck my uh-huh. name's from. Right, Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna say Jamaican, dude. <laughs> got some Jamaican vibes. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. I'm pretty dark, and I yeah. got the curly head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a rude boy, too, boy. <laughs> Damn, dude. I hang out with Sean Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> I can take you, you there. <laughs> He's another one of those guys. Speaking of people with like one hit or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you gotta listen to the Patreon to get that. Yeah, yeah, one hit songs, put him on there. But anyways, guys, like Art said, <laughs> we're here to talk about <laughs> the fox, fox catcher team farm team. 
uh, murder of Dave Schultz by John Dupont. And uh, the reason why we brought Jordan Olguin on here uh, is because you're quite you you're somewhat of a, a wrestling aficionado yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I uh, well actually been wrestling since I was four years old, and like I still coach right now, so I coach at Highland High School. And how many times have you won the Intercontinental Championship? Never, never. <laughs> I wish, I wish I was, I was it's, that good. You know what? I've never put two and two together. I was always just like, dude, this guy just really like likes Highland High School wrestling. Oh yeah, and yeah, no, no, it's because I. <laughs> I, I coached there, bro. Yeah, I was like, this yeah. guy either loves wrestling or he's like a hardcore pervert. <laughs> like one, <laughs> one of the two. I'm just glad. I don't, that, I don't know how I gotta look at this motherfucker now. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that you've clarified that. I'm just. I didn't want to. I didn't want to put you in blast. Well, yeah, because now there's like some of the kids too, like and like they're young, like they're, and they're really good. Like we had a girl; she placed fourth at state this year, and she was a nice. freshman. And uh-huh. there's times where I'll post her or I'll post another kid that's a freshman. I'm like, he's a freshman or she's a freshman. It's like because that that's very impressive, dude. Like to yeah. place at state or even make it to state as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So like, dude, like I'm I'm always trying to hype them up, you know, like give them good courage and good motivation you know i mean as a coach should do you know yeah, but yeah no that's that's why i post all that shit when it's like has to do with highland it's because that's cool it's did you go I to highland it. no i went to Phil. oh okay i, I was gonna say i went to highland I, I, I always like that shit when you post that and like try to like be like every time you like you guys have like fundraisers or whatever yeah. i try to reshare that shit because i'm always like dang right, right on like you know so you're the pervert no, yeah <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm, yeah i never understood like i went to highland but i was yeah, like yeah. i didn't remember, i don't remember seeing you there yeah no 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 i went, like I, said, I went to i went to Hill, bro but um yeah i coached that dude so it's cool. he's too busy in the women's wrestling room <laughs> this guy was the guy drilling holes into the locker room and like porkies and shit <laughs> making the own glory hole or what <laughs> why yeah. is there a glory hole in the girl restroom yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, dude. Jordan Hole. I, I'm just <laughs> glad you clarified why. Why I didn't know that about you. I didn't yeah, know you were yeah. a coach. I uh, cool. I coached there last year, and then I coached there like the year before, but like towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. I'm just ba- barely getting back into it, bro. Because like I I stopped coaching for like two three years, and so I'm just getting back into coaching again. So mm-hmm. that's that's why I'm there. But that's cool. Yeah, we have a good team, man. We have a really good team. The uh, the boys team is. Uh, they're two-time Valley champions, and this year we'll probably win it for a third time because most of our kids are didn't graduate. We only had like three graduates this year on the, on the starting lineup. So oh, not because of their grades, but because no, no, they yeah. were. I yeah. was like, that's nothing to be proud about, Jordan. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, we told them you do not pass <laughs> that algebra two test. Yeah, no. So three, three out of three out of fourteen. So we only have three of them uh, graduating, and then uh, on the girls team, <laughs> the girls team should actually probably win state this year, bro. Our oh, girls wow. team, our right girls on. team's really fucking good. Yeah, so. shout out Bakersfield, yeah, man. Yeah, Rich so. wrestling history. Yeah, shout yeah, out so Stephen Neal for beating Brock Lesnar too. Yeah, he's not from Bakersfield, but yeah. Yeah, he's well, he wrestled for CSUB. He's from, yeah, he, yeah, he's from San Diego though. Yeah. Yeah. I'd call him up if you want. Yeah, oh, do it. No, nah, I really can't. But uh, I, my coach <laughs> my coach is his best friend. So I run into him all the time, like at the wrestling tournaments and stuff oh, like that. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, he coaches out of uh, Poway right now. So oh, nice. Good people, yeah. yeah really Shout good people. the hometown of Bobby and then, Lee. And then every time he, um, I have a buddy that's really, really good friends with him. And he's like, hey, if I bring some uh, USA singlets, because he was on the world team too. He's uh, He plays silver at the world. world oh, nice. Uh, and, stuff like that. and he's like, would you autograph some singlets for me? He's like, yeah, dude, like I'll do anything. So he, we could fundraise it and stuff like that for the team and stuff. So I'd raise money, so. Yeah, he's a super cool dude, man. Let me ask you this. Normally, we start these podcast episodes with a question. Usually, it's like me and Jacob will be like, oh, why did you know about John DePonce? But this time, I'm going to do a little bit different. Monday. Let me ask you this because you have more of a wrestling background and understanding. What is it that you look for in a good wrestler? Like, what makes a good wrestler between, like, random dude at the gym who just works out and is buff? Or, like, what do you – because, obviously, there's, like, wrestlers, especially as I was watching this, Mm -hmm. there were some wrestlers that were, like – smaller than me but they were yeah. like whooping ass in there and i was like so it's obviously not just 
looking for like the biggest dude out there. Yeah, it, well, I mean, look at me. Like, my size isn't there, bro. Like, if if like the people I wrestle, a lot of them were like big and yoked out, like how you saw in the documentary and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I think it's more just like a dedication thing. Obviously, you know, someone that you know that's gonna come into the room that's gonna be dedicated and wanting to actually learn and mm. like the technique and everything like that. Because a lot of kids they, that sometimes we have kids that are really fucking good. And they get into the room and they just want to sit down in the, in the corner or not do nothing or like not practice with other good wrestlers because, oh, well, this guy might kick my ass today. But then he'll go beat up on someone else. Like, nah, like we want to see you wanting to better yourself and do mm-hmm. like and listen to stuff, you know. So and like I said, there's a lot of kids that don't. But there's also like kids that have never wrestled before and they're in the room and you can see like the determination on these kids like wanting to try and get better and learn techniques and they're always asking questions. So I think it's more like mm. Someone like that, like that, you could see that actually wants to learn, dude. And yeah, like there are buff people, and like I've had a kid that made it to state, and he was just buff, and that's it. Like that's how he made it because he was just out muscled his opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that can only get you so far if you have no technique, you know. So mm-hmm. it's more like someone that actually wants to learn, and mm-hmm. I mean that's what I look into, dude. Because if I try to teach you something, and you're not paying attention. I'm like, well, then fuck it, then I'm not gonna. Why am I gonna waste my time to help you out to try to get better? I'll just go help someone else out that's actually gonna listen and pay attention or ask questions. So that that's how I look at a wrestler, honestly. And then the whole working out thing, like that's that's something that to me they have to do on their own because like I feel like wrestling practice, you we only have them for two hours or an hour and a half sometimes. That's where you need to learn how to actually wrestle. If you want to get buff and do all this other stuff and lose the weight and everything, that's all side shit, dude. Like you don't get good just from what you do in the room. You just you get better from the outside work also. The lifestyle of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Which kind of leads into like our topic. Um, uh, one of the play main players of this topic, uh, Dave Schultz. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the name Dave Schultz, Mark Schultz, the mm-hmm. Schultz brothers, uh, here and there. Being a huge like pro wrestling fan, you know, a lot of right. uh, you know pro wrestlers they you know name drop them a lot because they they also come from amateur wrestling as mm-hmm. well. Uh, then you get like Dan Gable and whatnot, like those names that get thrown around. But I never actually like deep dived into those those guys and like their accolades. Right. But like Dave Schultz, like you kept saying like willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that I kept seeing about Dave Schultz was just like he his motto was like never stop learning. And when you look at all of his accolades, like both him and his brothers, they both medaled gold in the nineteen eighty four uh Olympics, Olympics, yeah. uh, multiple world championships, like any championship you can win in high school, college. I mean, they both wrestled and coached at Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Stanford. Like anything that you could do in the world of amateur wrestling, they did it and they were they the best it, yeah. at it. And it's because of that mentality of like always wanting to learn more. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you talk about like some of the greatest of all time, Kurt Angle, I listened to one of his podcasts, also a former a uh, student at Foxcatcher yeah, Farms for a little while. Yeah, yeah, he done. Yeah, yeah, he puts he puts Dave Schultz as one of the best, like one of the Mount Rushmores of like amateur wrestlers of all time. Yeah, well, I mean, as as like the documentary shows you too, and like even if you like you know the story a little bit, Dave Schultz actually became like the coach at Foxcatcher. So it's mm-hmm. like, I think that's another thing too is like for a wrestler to be decent and good. Like, I think for you, like start coaching a little bit, so that way, like when you see like you're in certain predicaments, all right. I know how to get out of this spot because like I'm teaching this kid how to get out of it. Now, when I get into that spot, when I'm in a match, boom, I know exactly how to get out of it. Cause mm-hmm. I've already showed someone how to get out of it themselves. So I think like that also helped him like be better wrestler than what he was. Cause it wasn't, and it, he wasn't coaching kids. He was coaching other grown Adults. men on, on the Olympic team. So mm-hmm. it's like, 
dude, that's that's how I believe he got better. Because then, you know, he's like, hey, are you guys could do this move? All right, well, now you got to show them how to defend it. Okay, mm-hmm. and now when he's in a match, okay, I could do this. Oh, now I know how to defend it, too, because I'm in that predicament. So I think that's what helps make a better wrestler, too, is learn, like learning the that, coaching aspect, aspect also. extra mile that he took, I think he, like, his wife was talking about how he learned, like, eight languages. Dude, is awesome, because right? in high school, he would get sent all around the world, like the USSR, mm-hmm. like, back, like, when the Iron Curtain was up and shit. Like, he'd get sent over there. You know, you know, most of the time win, but sometimes he wouldn't win yeah. them all. Um, but, you know, when he would lose, like he would learn these other languages so he can so ask he his competition. He'd be like, hey, how did you do this? What was the what it, what move did you do? What what tech? How did you move your hips to do this and whatnot? So he learned those other languages so he can pick up tips. And then also, too, he can hear what the coaches is calling out right. when they're on the mat as well. Right, right, right. And, 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 and that's a great aspect. I mean, kind of think about it it's like like Kobe. Kobe had what six different languages that he learned too, you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like similar, the same thing. So like, wait, because when he went to Japan or China, so he could speak to them, you mm-hmm. know. When when he was in Spain, so he could speak to them, you know. Mm-hmm. So he learned all this different stuff also, and that I mean, that's fucking very admirable, bro. Like, yeah, you know. So I mean, and because like the whole like fan base stuff too, and I, that's probably another reason why. Because he was Dave Schultz was liked from everyone around the world, dude, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons because he was able to communicate with everyone also. That's right, yeah. So, and he was just a good dude too. Oh, yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. One of the things that when just like doing like the really I only watched a documentary. I listened to a couple of podcasts. I can't remember if it was a documentary or or one of the podcasts that brought this up, but apparently like Dave Schultz would would walk around and he would always be like super like sore or like just beat mm-hmm. up from like because he would just practice so much right. that he always just looked like people would always think he was like an old man because he would walk around like an old man. He was balding. He did look for yeah. a guy that would, you know, was 36 when he, when he, he passed. Pass, yeah. yeah. Like he was pretty young. Like, yeah. you know, like, I'm older than 36 now. Like, <laughs> and, and like, I look at him and I'm like, dude, he looks like a fucking like, like a 50 grown ass yeah. adult. Like, yeah. Like, he looks like Grizzly Adams and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, to me, it's like, anyways. And then I guess people would always say like, but as soon as he stepped on the mat and it was go time, he looked completely different. Like mm-hmm. his body is like the way he would stand. Everything well, was completely different. Well, and that's what like, we were talking about like the body on all some of these people. Like he didn't have like that muscular body like that, you know, like he, to me, he kind of had like a little, a little belly for like his wrestling size, you know, like, mm-hmm. and a lot of more people around his size was more, more built and he wasn't like that. And like you said, he looked more like Kind of like a grandpa, you know, the way his mm-hmm. body was. Mm-hmm. But the guy was fucking awesome, you know? And as a kid, he was actually, like, overweight, mm-hmm. and he had dyslexia. So he couldn't read. And so, like, that always motivated him because he'd get picked on, he'd get bullied. And then even, like, the teachers, like, they would, like, belittle him and whatnot, mm-hmm. too, because, you know, he lived in a world that, you know, didn't know about dyslexia yeah. yet. Yeah, because he, he weighed, like, 114 pounds. I thought he weighed uh, 411. <laughs> 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 and so, like, wh- like, one of the teachers that he had... I noticed that he had like this learning disability and he was actually the wrestling coach. Yeah. And he was just like, well, I've seen that like kids like this in the past who have like similar learning disabilities, you know, they get into wrestling and it seems to turn everything around. Right. Fast forward a few years later, dude's learning eight languages. Mm -hmm. He's reading books. Like his wife's talking about all these books and like Nietzsche and shit that he's Mm -hmm. reading and whatnot. And they credit like wrestling as helping quote unquote cure his dyslexia right, right, right. and his weight problem as well. Right. And then it's like uh I know we're talking about Dave Schultz, but it's like there's a wrestler by the name of Dan Gable too, which I'm sure you heard yep. of. And uh, he he made a really good not a good statement, but like a tight quote that a lot of us wrestlers use is like, once you wrestled, everything becomes easy. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
you know how you said Dave Schultz was started wrestling, and now he started learning the different languages, started reading, like, and everything kind of started breaking off from him. And maybe, maybe wrestling was a good help for him, you know, to help him in that situation. I mean, obviously, I, we're, we're not him, you know, and mm-hmm. we don't know what it was, but maybe, maybe that was the de- defending factor. And like I said, listening to Dan Gable when he says that quote, it's like, dude, like being out there in the real world, a lot of stuff does start becoming a lot easier. You don't have like, like having to deal with the bullies and stuff like that. Like uh, everything starts getting easier in life. Like. I don't know. At least to me, like like I said, I wrestled my whole life, so that's kind of how it feels. So when I go out in the real world, just that's whatever. Just a cakewalk to me. I feel like yeah. Dang, that's 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 pretty legit. I think that I, you know, to be a wrestler, to be an elite athlete, like he was, like it takes a certain amount of discipline. It's not like you can just kind of bullshit your way. And I think when you're when you're young, and you know, a kid with dyslexia, like obviously one, you're a kid, mm-hmm. two, you have dyslexia things are probably not that well organized. And I think once you add that element of like, you know, you got to wake up at this time to work out, to do this, to get better at your craft. Like it kind of makes everything just fall into place. And maybe that's what put him together. Cause he did seem like that kind of guy that just had everything, you know, even to like his wife, like I I guess his wife tells a story in documentary Mm -hmm. where it was like, you know, like I wanted to be that wife. Like, you know, like, you know, he hadn't found a partner that was that committed to to his craft. And like, I wanted to be committed to that craft. So I want to travel with him and do that. Well, You know what I was thinking too, is like, I know they said dyslexia, but he could have been autistic too. And you know, like how how, how autism people, like how they stay focused on one thing Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. until they get it right and stuff like that. And that's probably, I mean, he was possibly that way also. And that's why he was able to learn all these other languages and read all these other books while in the help Mm -hmm. of fix this problem, because you know, he, he studied on it so much, you know, and they said autistic, I mean, you guys know autistic people there, they, they focus on something so, so much. So, Mm-hmm. I mean, it could it could be something also. Yeah, possibly. I didn't, sure. I didn't I didn't see. I didn't say anything about that, that either. But, I mean, but, yeah. I mean it's I possible. But then again, it is back then where nobody really did like studies like that too much, anyway. So correct. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, mental health back there. I mean, right. you know, to bring up uh, John Depot. You know, I mean, I guess we could ta- start telling the story, but you know, really, this is like one of those things that mental health was in its infancy, and it was viewed as like this thing that you don't really talk about. Stigma. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like. Really, if I, I don't see this happening in today's world because I feel like now we'd be able to identify and get people the treatment that they need. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, I guess you could start telling the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, to kind of, you know, bridge this from what we're talking about with Dave Schultz, uh, Dave Schultz grew up in a world where there wasn't a lot of money in wrestling, uh, professional wrestling or, you know, amateur wrestling. And this is also during the time during the Cold War where you know everything where it was like the usa or ussr was a big deal and one of those big deal one of the biggest deal was is like back like when the olympics would happen during this time is the ussr would dominate in wrestling and a big part of that is because in the united states you know since there wasn't a lot of money in it you know there wasn't a lot of people pouring money into the program wrestlers would go through the collegiate level and maybe get to the Olympics, maybe get to the Worlds. But after college, they would age out of the system. So we're talking like 22 years old, and you got to find your way. You got to pay your bills. You got to you got to pay your Pacific, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your well, Pac Bell, Pac Bell, yeah, Pacific <laughs> Bell telephone bill. You know, and yeah. you know you got to actually eat food. You know, one of the wrestlers uh, from Foxcatcher would be like, "Man, I was looking for fucking quarters and dimes in the couches just to get a Big Mac for my my daily you, meal." You guys yeah. are both UFC fans, and every UFC fighter, well, you know, unless you're like 
way up there in the food chain. A lot of those guys are like sleeping in their cars to get to the gym and yeah, do that whole correct. thing. Like mm-hmm. it's not an easy lifestyle. Yeah. It's a it's a passion. It's a work of passion. Yeah. And that that was basically USA wrestling in a nutshell. Like you were kind of like on your own. And the reason why the Soviets and a lot of those Eastern European states would dominate at those that sport is because those programs were state sponsored. USSR would pump all the money mm-hmm. into those programs so that way if they had families the families were taken care of they would pay for their training they would pay for their meals they would pay for their pack bell <laughs> telephone <laughs> yeah. bill if you will and so it was just like it was easy all you had to do was just concentrate on training and you can be in the system all the way up until you're 38 think about a michael jordan if you will he was still the best player in the league at 37 38 years old if he had to stop playing basketball at 22 Look at all the years of dominance that he had to miss out on. And maybe Charles Barkley wins a couple championships. Maybe Carl Malone wins a couple championships. And that was USA Wrestling in a nutshell. All the good wrestlers would kind of fall by the wayside, you know, unless they were lucky, uh, because they would age out of the system. Enter John DuPont. Yeah, and, and speaking about John DuPont, like, before he even, like, started getting into the wrestling thing he actually like he had like state-of-the-art stuff where he actually got into the swimming mm-hmm. he was he was kind of doing the same thing what he did for wrestling he was doing it for the swimming swim team he started doing it for well, obviously the dive team he started doing it for the fencing team so he, yeah, he was, shit, he was yeah. getting into a lot of that stuff before he even got into the wrestling so i mean mm-hmm. that was that was like a cool thing i guess it's more like he had like his own olympic training uh grounds at his own like ranch <laughs> honestly and that's kind of like how it felt like in I mean, going into the story, like, that's what it seemed like, dude. Like, he had his own he, training for he, Olympic athletes. He definitely was wanting to be involved. One, one of the things that, you know, John DuPont, you know, if you don't know that much about him, he comes from a very, like, you know, prestigious, rich family. Yeah, think a lot of, of like money. the Rockefellers, like yeah. the, the, the DuPont family. I mean, go back to our uh, New World Order episode. Sometimes the DuPont family, they're, they're kind of like second tier to, like, the Rockefellers, if you will, and whatnot, where, like they get clumped into like the Illuminati because they had so much money because they made a lot of their fortune, you know, selling gunpowder, selling, you know, uh, you know, chemicals such as, you know, Teflon and Lycra, nylon, all this stuff. Like they, that was the family that invented or, you know, sold that shit mm-hmm. and became multi, multi, multi billionaires. Well, right? just to tell her when they had about what, 2000 acres, yeah, he, they were saying well, that was, was like, just him, cool, and he yeah. was like the, the throwaway child. Yeah. Like he was like fiftieth on so the that wrong. Tells of you. L- let you me know. ask you guys this, and I never saw a clarification. Um, was he the only Dupont living in that complex? It was him and his. Well, so I mean, to go back on him, like when he was born, it was his mom, his dad, and then he had, I believe it was like three uh, older brothers and sisters, right? They were way older, and then towards the end of his mom and dad's marriage, he came along. So there was like this large gap between him and his brothers and sisters. I guess when he was younger, uh, his mom and dad gets divorced. So could have been why he was he was had those mental things too, because his parents having the baby at such an older it, age. It could be. To be completely honest with you, yeah. there's a lot of like I didn't think about that till right now. You were bringing yeah. It up. There's a lot of weird factors involved with him. I mean, he was a socially awkward kid mm-hmm. growing up. He was yeah. And so they, they were in this big complex right this like you said 2,000 acres Mm -hmm. like it was almost its own city unto itself there was multiple houses all over here Uh, it was said that after his mom and dad got divorced 
he didn't interact with his mom or any of his other relatives. He even has a quote saying that, you know, I would see my dad by appointment only, and most of the time he wouldn't even see me. But up until he was 13 years old, all of his meals were delivered to his room by his maid. Mom didn't really have a good relationship with him, so he spent most of his time by himself. At one point, his mom had to hire her chauffeur's child yeah. to be his friend. So he had a lot of this going on growing up, where it was just like he was just a socially awkward and isolated child growing up. Well, that and everything just given to him. Yeah. 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 I think that those are kind of learned traits as you get older. If you, if his idea of what a friend is and what a friend should be, mm-hmm. it'll probably, you know, blends into what what he starts becoming later on with with hey i'm the guy with a lot of money people want to be around me if i just supply these athletes money he does start to develop that mentality of i want to be an elite sports athlete kind of guy but physically he wasn't there Mm -hmm. he tried so many different sports swimming was one of them swimming was kind of you know the first one he tried and didn't Mm -hmm. really work out he started doing the triathlons wasn't really that good wrestling he eventually falls on and starts trying to do some wrestling we kind of joked about this before we started recording, but when he was about nine years old, he was like horseback riding, and he falls off the horse, and the the, the horse steps on his nuts. And well, this, the fence, it, like he kicks him off, and it, it's like the worst fucking thing I can imagine. Look, I guess like man. his his nuts. That's hit, a new like, fear, dude. By the way, just like added yeah, to the yeah, list of fears yeah. now, dude. <laughs> Final Destination Part Six. <laughs> I, I always coming to the, the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> I had that fear of like opening like you know, out of those old school windows that just fall if you don't have anything there. Uh, I always had that fear of like having my fucking wiener right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, but that was or like the something about Mary where you zip it up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, that's a bad one too. Ugh, I'm just grabbing my junk right now. <laughs> but I guess the horse bucks him off uh, the saddle. And his nuts land on like those spiked uh, fence Fences. posts. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! Fucking pierces his nutsack. <laughs> oh it Jesus gets, Christ! <laughs> yeah, gets infected. Right, so he's still they're still intact, and they get so badly infected that they have to remove him. So it becomes a Just unit. Clip him. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just chomp him, dude. Looking like looking like <laughs> looking like Jacob's dogs outside. <laughs> no nuts. <laughs> What's that one uh, Game of Thrones character? Oh, uh, Reek. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, just fucking. Like there's no coming back from that, dude. No. Like it, it just I feel like that will fuck you up mentally just as much as having like bad parents that you have mm. to see by appointment. I mean, shut that. I mean that's so traumatizing, dude. Like I mean we're we're talking about just like talking about but imagine it actually happening to you oh, like holy hell. shit oh, geez, like, dude. god like, definitely definitely no more kids i, I just yeah <laughs> i just feel like you know where does your confidence go after that because it's like hooking up with the girl like it's <laughs> being being at that age where you're like a high school kid or whatever you got hormones flying through you yeah. like every kid is like doing that whole like bragging things that right. they're like oh i hooked up with this girl even though they probably didn't or whatever mm-hmm. like dude stop talking about him already <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> but like <laughs> gotcha it just hit me what you were referring to listen to the patreon but, for those jokes but um but um yeah i mean he was probably like that guy who was like dude they're like how do you go up to a girl and like show up and, like have like uh where are your nutsack like yeah. what, what's going on here there's like there's a fucking giant gash right here where they're just <laughs> i assume like they kept his dick intact like yeah but yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they probably popped him with tests all the time too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe that's why he he looked real fragile. Yeah. You know? Maybe they never did. Well, you got to think too. Like you remove like his balls. There's like no testosterone saying, basically yeah. coming through your system and whatnot. Very minimal, if that, you yeah. know. So like that's why you get like that androgynous look, you know. Like where he, he kind of to, to me he kind of reminds me physically. He looks like Mister Mister Burns. Like he has like the hunchback. He has the mm-hmm. big schnoz. 
You know, like he's he's Mr. Burns, like literally. I was trying to think of the guy's name. His it's like something per, something the pervert. Oh, Herbert the pervert. Does he, does he look like him? Hey, with those. Yeah, does, oh, he looks like him to me, bro. Yeah, from Family Guy. Yeah, shit. he looks just like him to yeah, me. Yeah, I can see that as well. So, um, I'm not to spend too much time on the fucking you know the nutsack. Fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just thought it was made, an it, important made his crack point, bigger. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, interesting shit though. But yeah, he grew up on this palatial estate and whatnot. Uh, and then there was a part of the state uh, called Foxcatcher Farms, which was basically a breeding ground for his mother's. So mom and dad get divorced. Mom inherits this whole or gets in the divorce, this big ass estate, which shows you how fucking powerful the DuPonts were. That They were able to like be like, OK, she gets that in the settlement, this mm-hmm. huge ass estate mm-hmm. uh, in Pennsylvania and whatnot. Right. And so it's just him and his mom at this estate. She raises. Uh, these thoroughbreds, like racehorses and whatnot. And basically this farm is, uh, you know, raises cows, uh, but mostly is known for like these thoroughbreds that she races and whatnot and sells and whatnot. So uh, she ends up dying in 1988. And this takes a huge mental toll on DuPont, who, uh, like Art said earlier, was, you know, throwing things against the wall, you know, trying to find something, find it, trying, literally I interpret it as like him trying to find uh, his place in this world. At first, it was he goes to college uh, and basically becomes like gets his doctorate in zoology, uh, goes off to like Guatemala and all these other places and whatnot. <laughs> discovers like two dozen uh, different species of birds, and he does find a love for birds at this mm-hmm. point. That almost feels like that was really his only true passion. Correct. Like, that that he was or talent. talent. Yeah, like that was actually like the one thing, and I think he knew like. My family's not going to be proud of me for being this. Like, you know, this is a family that is probably full of fucking sharks in the, in the sense that, like, they're not proud of you for going to school to become, like, a bird expert. Like, that's <laughs> not... Even though, like, I feel like most families would be pretty proud of, like, their son, like, Just discovering birds. Just going to college. Going to college, yeah. college <laughs> discovering birds. It's kind of cool. It's kind of, like, a, you know, very unique thing. And he got two birds named after him. Like, yeah. like that's, like, an accomplishment in itself. Like, can you imagine, like, there's a fucking... I didn't know that. A Jacob Pixton bird out there yeah. and shit like shit like that's tight. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't like, read that. Two birds that's are named tight. after him. They're two cans because of his nose and shit, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, he had that going for him. Didn't find any fulfillment in that. Goes into swimming. Wants to become an Olympic swimmer. That ain't happening because yeah. the lead singer for Rammstein, that motherfucker, yeah, he's yeah. gonna be a fucking gold medal winner and shit. So your Mister Burns ass ain't gonna win that shit. Invents the pentathlon, so it's not even the triathlon. Well, you got to keep in mind the other reason he keeps getting these shots is because of the money. His oh investment. yeah, he's not getting these shots because of his talent. No, no yeah, not at all. This is like if like he's buying his way for his foot in the door. Yeah, yeah it, this is this, like he should have joined the Special Olympics. He might have made that. <laughs> <laughs> that had been invented yet. He had not been invented. I don't know if like having no nutsack. What's your no. disability? <laughs> I got no nutsack. Oh dude, oh you, you're in. You already won. <laughs> 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 it's that meme where like that guy's biting the metal or whatever and he's like all the way down oh yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways events the pentathlon like art said he's buying his way into all these places out of butt fuck nowhere he's like in his 50s gets into amateur wrestling and whatnot yeah. right and goes to villanova mind you he went to college at villanova mm-hmm. that's why he chose villanova establishes a wrestling program mm-hmm. and inserts himself as the fucking head coach of the Villanova wrestling team. Yeah. yeah. Well, also like uh to that he uh they they actually had a had a he had a different uh, head coach there before and uh I guess they had words or whatever and that's when he ends up bringing in uh 
Dave Schultz come actually coach there. So at I, Villanova? Yeah, at Villanova. Oh, so. Mark Schultz, actually. Was it Mark? Yeah, it was Mark that helped him at Villanova, yeah. Okay, yeah. The younger yeah, brother, yeah. yeah. And then he actually brought him in to coach. And this is actually like right at the time where he's uh, w- he had just won his Olympic gold medal and stuff like mm-hmm. that too. So in I, thought, I thought that was pretty tight, dude. Like you have him there, but then it's like, what the fuck happened? You know? Yeah, yeah. So what happened was, and this is where a lot of rumors, and this is where you get a lot of innuendo in the movie, uh, apparently the whole program crumbles to the ground because, you know, uh, John starts to, Again, doesn't know shit about wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's 50 years old. Jordan's been wrestling since he was four. You know, still learning shit. He's still learning shit. John thinks he knows everything and starts himself a head coach and whatnot. Starts you know trying to call shots in a Division One uh, collegiate system. And what's crazy is he tries to show the moves and stuff too. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't know what the fuck he's mm-hmm. doing and whatnot. And the whole program crumbles to the ground because... Uh, one of the assistant coaches accuses him of making inappropriate sexual advances uh, towards him. So Villanova cuts ties with it, says, hey, your money's no longer good here. Uh, we're known for fucking vanilla ice cream, not fucking wrestling at Villanova, okay? <laughs> so uh, that pisses him off. And so he needs a place where he's not going to have oversight by a play establishment such as the NCAA. So when his mom passes away, he takes over the farm and establishes Fox Catcher Farms as not a thoroughbred site, but a site where he's going to train Olympic-quality swimmers, uh, Olympic-quality pentathletes, as well as Olympic-quality wrestlers. When his mom passes away, he really takes up a notch in the craziness. Like oh, he, yeah. he tries to establish himself more as a pillar in the community. That tr- I don't know if it's to try to get away from from like the the whole like hey this dude was trying to do advances on on like <laughs> on like wrestlers and stuff he tried, he tried to pat paternal people were. yeah it's like I, I don't know what, what what the fuck was happening there the, the coach from penn state oh yeah 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 what's his name pat paterno paterno uh, isn't it yeah 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 richard paterno no pat, pat paterno the, the old the old the old the old man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the football coach yeah he, that's that's what happened with him as soon as he died like all these people came out with these allegations yeah. of him touching them and stuff oh damn i didn't know that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, the funny thing about that is i always thought it was like the paterno paterno it, oh yeah yeah it was like they were he i always thought it was that he knew that there was a trainer who was like touching some of the kids I'm or sure something. the trainer did too and then like they were like how come he never did anything i don't know I, that's the way i it, that's yeah. the way i always took it yeah. but and, the thing, and the thing real quick before we move on john schultz like he was actually teaching his wrestlers at villanova mark uh no 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 john oh. he was teaching or teaching quote unquote yeah. the wrestlers at villanova a move called the fox fox catcher five oh, where yeah. he would he would teach him to grab the junk of the opponent and whatnot. yeah yeah, and and they they That's so I was funny. listening I to a, I was I was uh <laughs> listening to a podcast and they were bringing it up like maybe because like how he had those allegations and maybe he did that maybe like we were talking about he doesn't have no more testosterone because he lost his balls already yeah and I mean maybe he just like started filling on to men you know and that's why he got into it and that's Possibly. why he started doing that doing mm. that move maybe he, maybe he came up with checking the oil i don't know yeah. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> he, if you know what checking the oil is he, sticking your finger up the butt he was Ugh. married at this time I believe uh was this like I don't know if that was during Bill and Noble, like right after, but he gets married pretty late in the game. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like he was just married to like fulfill his like duties as like oh, a DuPont. Well, he couldn't get his inheritance unless he had been married. Oh. And so he got married in 83. And by the time his mom uh, dies and he gets the inheritance, 
divorces her because they only live together for six months. And that's another a gay innuendo in there. It's just like he can only make it live with this lady, fake it for six right. months. But yeah, they officially it, get divorced it, like right when she dies. He was pretty abusive towards his wife, apparently. Yeah. Like he was just not a good guy, pretty fucking abusive towards her. Pulls a gun out on her um, and accuses her of being like a Russian spy. And like, you know, yeah. Was it Donald Trump's wife? No. <laughs> <laughs> the ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah, you're right. Man, yeah, I, I feel pretty bad. That was one of the things that kind of just gets swept under the rug. A lot of the story really starts when, like, Foxcatcher, like, the Foxcatcher team gets put together in mm-hmm. his in his farm. But that always kind of gets, like, brushed under the rug. But he was already had, like, a long history of being abusive uh, and then being kind of, like, that dude that just covers up things with, with money. And his family has a lineage of covering mm-hmm. things up with money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's another topic. That, that's another topic. And that's why, you know, like you were saying, it's, they're like the Rockefellers, you know, because they mm-hmm. have a lot of a lot yeah. of money and, talk, and covering stuff up and stuff like that. So Yeah, and they would money buy their way into politics, mm-hmm. all sorts of shit. Yeah. Money yeah. Talks, and, and, that, and that's the thing, like, like you're bringing up the politics. He was, he was like, friends with, like, some of the presidents and, and governors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He has pictures with them and everything. But, yeah, m- huh. money talks everywhere, bro. Yeah. And he was paying off, like, some of the police force that was there in Pennsylvania, like oh, yeah. they were training on his, on his facility. Yeah. He had a big shooting course a, on the Dupont, like the on and the they Fox catcher thing. To shoot, yeah, yeah, and and apparently, like they he spent so much money on the police force. The police force gave him like guns and gunpowder and things, so just mm-hmm. to be like as a thank you, yeah. like it's just and an honorary badge that yeah. you know made him a, a Woody deputy yeah. type of shit, or <laughs> <laughs> an explorer deputy. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> to our got boy that Jimmy. Sticker. What's that one? The dare the dare line. Showed he's, up. he's about to go work <laughs> at the Kern County Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he even housed some of the police officers yeah. there on his estate too, because there was like something like ridiculous, like thirty houses like on his estate and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, mom dies. Uh, he gets kicked out of Villanova, gets divorced, and all this stuff or whatever. So there's a lot going on around 1988 and whatnot, right? Establishes a Foxcatcher uh, team, wrestling team, and you know just team in general for the Olympics starts pouring all sorts of money into USA wrestling. And I remember texting you early in the week, like, Oh wow. He reminds me of Vince McMahon because at this point he starts buying all of these elite talents. Now he targeted the both Schultz brothers. Now Dave at this time didn't go over to Foxcatcher, uh, but Mark did just because he was just like, you know, I got something to prove. My older brother is Michael Jordan of this shit. You know, I got to, you know, make my own way. Here's this golden opportunity where this multi-billionaire is willing to pour money into this program that never had money before. And I have the opportunity to be uh, the head of the table, basically, whatnot, Mm -hmm. right? And they were training for the 1988 Olympics. Now, what happens with Mark is, is he starts to experience some of this mental abuse, some of the physical abuse, as well as... um. You know, some of the uh, arrogance that John would show where like he would walk into um, training sessions where, you know, they're getting ready for the 88 Olympics. And John would be like, let me show you this Fox Catcher 5 move that's going to beat the Soviets because I'm the real patriot or whatnot. Right. And that would piss off Mark. And all of that would accumulate to one incident where John would walk into a practice, point a gun right in Mark's chest and say, I am going to ruin your career. And mind you, this is right, like literally like a week or two before the Olympics. So right after that, he's, Mark is just like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this shit. He's like, I'm going to, you know, go to the Olympics. I'm going to win whatever I can win. And I'm just going to fucking retire and whatnot. Right. And so he gets to the 88 Olympics. John's fucking with him even more. And he's like, you know what? 
And it's crazy because at that time, Mark was penciled in basically to win the gold yeah. medal. And he throws his first match and disqualifies himself from the Olympics because he said, I just didn't want to have give John the benefit that he was training an Olympic quality athlete. Well, because well, that's the thing too is like how we're talking about the whole thing with money is like, okay, before he got the Olympic team at um, in America – or started funny for him. He was actually like a coach for the Bulgarian team because mm-hmm. he thought he was he was Bulgarian or whatever. So he he actually was in the corner. And um, when he came down, like how you said, Dave threw his first match. He was actually in the in the Mark. coach's corner, or he but he was in the he uh, John Dupont was in the coach's corner. It's Correct. Like, why are you there? You don't know nothing. Like you can't help me win this match. So yeah. like, there's no point in you being. There. But it's just to basically show that hey. I have some type of success, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what the whole thing is. Like, all right, well, like how you're saying, I coach this wrestler. It's like, okay, now I'm going to take all the accolades because I coach him to be successful. It's like when the owner grabs, like, the trophy, like when, you know, yeah. the team wins the Super Bowl. It's yeah. like, you didn't do that. Like, Michael like, Jordan is all sweaty and shit. Yeah, and like, yeah. The owner runs out there and be like, we did it. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to put this in my office it, now. It, it's, <laughs> it's all because of me. I yeah, put it yeah. together. Hey, did you guys listen to uh, Mark Schultz's music? No. no, I didn't know he had music. I, I guess he makes Christian music now. Yeah, I know he like converted to like uh, Mormonism and whatnot. Yeah, but he, he's a he's a pretty that. big up there in the in the uh, Christian music world. Hmm. Well, I didn't listen to it, but I was just like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right too. <laughs> he's a singer songwriter. Do you believe you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, one of the first things that came up was like the best of Mark Schultz, and I was like, what CD for four dollars on eBay? <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Uh, but anyways, uh, in 1990, so 88, this all happens or whatnot. Uh, and there's some rebuilding that has to happen at Foxcatcher Farms. Uh, so in 1990, he actually hires Dave Schultz, uh, Mark's older brother, you know, the Michael Jordan of this wrestling mm-hmm. game and whatnot. And, um, you know, they start, you know, re-recruiting, you know, for uh, their next goal was the 96 Olympics right. or 92 Olympics. 92, but, yeah. but more or less, they were more focused on the 96 Olympics because back be here, back in the United States. The 84 Olympics, when both Mark and Dave won, yep. was in Los Angeles. And that was a big deal because they were seen as American heroes. So what? Well, well, also because of that is like how you were bringing up Russia just dominated everything. And it was rare to see. Wait, an American one? Mm-hmm. So that that's what the whole whole like big still uh, deal was with that, and that's why they were they were brought so highly because like, wait, Americans are good at wrestling. Like it, it was just a shock to the whole mm-hmm. world because like mm-hmm. you said, well, Russia, USS, USRR, whatever the heck they were yeah, called, yeah, yeah, the Soviet but, Union. Yeah, but they were so good, and on, and I'm gonna be honest, bro, they're still the best to this day. Russia, oh, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> they are taking over the USA yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyways, uh, so they're they're trying. Uh, to reestablish the program, uh, they actually get a bunch of great people. Even Kurt Angle, uh, yeah. he who would win uh, gold at the '96 Olympics, yeah. he was actually being trained. Uh, they also had Kevin Jackson, which yep. won it in I believe '92, and they actually had uh, Kenny Monday, which mm-hmm. also uh, won it in either '92 or '96. So correct, they had they had really good talent there, and they would actually bring in too. They even started doing going outside of the United States. Like you mentioned, they brought in a Bulgarian uh, wrestler, uh, Valentin Yorganov. I'm not probably that's saying the, that. that's yeah, the kid it, who was like really it. small and like mm-hmm. was like manhandling people. Yeah, he was the mighty mouse of his generation. He, he, he was Henry Cejudo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's the one that like I've always had the stereo, you know, stereotype in my mind of like what a wrestler looks like. And, and, and like Dave and Mark, they, they, they look the part, like they look yeah. pretty like, you know, muscular all around. They don't look like, like bodybuilders, but they just look like they're like, well, Mark, Mark did. Yeah. Mark looked like a bodybuilder for yeah. sure. Dude. That's why Channing Tatum played yeah, him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, but like that guy looked really small. Yeah, he was five one. I think like a buck twenty five, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But everybody had a lot of respect for him because he was like fucking mm-hmm. a beast as soon as he got out there. But it was all to make Foxcatcher Farms look yeah. good. And you know what? And, and I mean, I know we've been shitting on John Dupont a lot, but like, dude, it was such a great thing that he did that because nowadays, like, I mean, I know you guys don't follow wrestling that much, but like, we have programs uh, out there like. Uh, like the Nitty Lion Wrestling Club that's based out of Pennsylvania for Penn mm-hmm. State also then we have like the Sunkiss Kids that are based out of Arizona Phoenix we have uh, the Colorado Springs team where that's where the uh, uh, the United States uh, team actually trains at the, that's the training center and we have like a team out in like Florida or whatever that's like but we have different teams and all that is like kind of based on what John DuPont did with uh, Fox Team Foxcatcher and like how him bringing in the, the coach from Bulgaria. We actually, at those places, we have coaches from Russia that were Olympic champions and stuff like that mm-hmm. coming over to help train our guys to win these like Olympic gold medals. And our our team is actually really good. Like we could probably win like four gold medals this year out of seven weights. So oh, wow. like we're, wow. f- we're fucking good. So yeah. But, but doing that because of all this really started because of John DuPont. So it was like, yeah, we might be shitting on him a lot, but he did do bring a lot of good and you know help like progress it for like later on in time, which we are now. Correct. So. Yeah. I mean, we got to give him his flowers for that. But yeah. there was a lot of shit going on behind the scenes. So what I mean by that is, is this is when he really starts sinking into a bad depression. Uh, <laughs> some of it's kind of funny. Some of it's kind of sad. Uh, one of the funnier things was that he started seeing Disney characters that he thought were coming after him. Uh, so he would hire like former Navy SEALs and FBI agents to, you know, search his home. He thought his house was being tapped by the Russians. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thought he, he would for hours uh, film the trees uh, because he thought that they were getting up and walking. Like That's the, the part the that I thought was funny. It would be like, hey, did you see that? And then he would bring wrestlers in to come to watch come the watch footage it, yeah. with him. And they would be like, yeah, yeah, I think I see what you're talking about. Yeah, because they didn't want to piss him yeah, off. Nobody yeah, nobody wanted to piss him off. Yeah, no one wanted to be on his bad side. So, yeah. I mean, but like you said, like he had all the money. He's like, well, later on, like, obviously he kicks the dude off, off his land. But it's like, nobody wanted to be kicked off the team. Like, they were mm-hmm. being treated good there. Kind of like right now, like, ATT has a program where, you know, you could stay at their, like, kind of hotel that they have there. And they're that's paying right, for yeah. everything for, as long as you're training. So, that's kind of basically what he was doing. He was taking care of everyone that was training there at the facility. So, it's like, dude, if you have everything taken care of you and you're getting your three meals a day and you're mm-hmm. all you have to do is train and get better. Like, and you can bring your family. You. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and they're going to be fully taken yeah. care of. And, like, and you're still getting paid, too. Yeah. While you're there, like. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to like badmouth them either. Like, I have shit taken care. Of. It's like, like they say, don't bite the bite the hand to the mouth that feeds or whatever. You know, like, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's basically kind of how that was. So I understand why people are like, oh yeah, I, I think I saw that. Yeah, that motherfucking trees move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where's yeah, my yeah. Where's my T bone steak? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but that the reason why they didn't want to piss him off is because he was heavily armed. Uh, he would do crazy things like he purchased a tank from the United States military, uh, and he would just drive around his estate like bulldozing it, fucking yeah. ha- like houses and shit. Uh, he carried around a Tech Nine again, like with the Mark Schultz situation, and just like j- this shoot it off of his front porch. Uh, he would just randomly shoot at geese flying overhead because he thought that they were practicing dark magic on them and whatnot. And the list just goes on and on and on. The treadmills were removed from the everywhere. Every in the state. treadmill was removed because he yeah. thought it was making them go backwards in time. Correct. Like it was yeah. just 
crazy. Uh, the color black was bl- banned. So yeah. This is where it starts getting kind of racist. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So it, much so that all the black athletes were removed from the facilities. Like, Apparently, like, like they, I said. They, they yeah. only had three, right? As far as I was aware, they only had three on site, and all three of them I'm, were I think leave. there was four, but uh, like I had brought up earlier, Kenny Monday was one of them, uh-huh. which Olympic gold medalist, and Kevin Jackson was one of them, mm-hmm. Olympic gold medalist. It's like this is when they're at their peak in their prime, dude, like ready to win these Olympic gold medals, uh, and he kicks them off. They're off the team and off yeah, their and, land and stuff. And like I that. believe this is where things start getting pretty batshit crazy. Like the trees, like it, you know, it's kind of one of those things that starts escalating. You know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things like oh, I can live with the trees. You yeah. know, he's kind of goofy or whatever, and cent- eccentric old man. But like once he starts doing the like kicking the black guys off the, off the property, and I guess he didn't want it. They have a bunch and of horses on the black, property. Yeah. He's like, get rid of all the black horses too. And then he says something along the lines of, like, we're affiliated to the KKK now. Mm. And I didn't see a lot of people talk about that. Maybe because, like, you know, the DuPont yeah. still put a lot of money into it. But, like, you know, he's like, from now on, Foxcatcher is associated with the KKK. And it was like, oh, all right, whatever. You're still <laughs> yeah. the dude paying, signing yeah. the check. So and Some of the wrestlers actually brought that to the attention of the local police mm-hmm. as well as USA Wrestling. And they everybody kind of turned a blind eye to it because they're like, well, he's putting a lot of uh, yeah. money in our department. They're put, he's putting a lot of money into USA Wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's just being eccentric. Just let him be. Yeah. He's giving us money. So it's just, it's like that It's like that circle just keeps on happy. So yeah. he's being allowed to act as crazy as he and, wants to. And also at the time, like all the wrestlers that were there, they were all thinking like, this guy has to be on drugs. Like mm-hmm. he's on something like because, like you said, he was watching the the trees in the in the videos or watching whatever, or thinking like there's bugs in the walls. And he would actually have like some of the uh, the Navy SEALs or whatever come uh, check his walls, so tear yeah. down the drywall and then re drywall it back up. There, there's and, uh, no way that they didn't yeah. know that he was insane at that point. Like the yeah. guy they hired, the, his main security guard was like a dude walking around with like a machine gun yeah. to protect like the estate from like Russian spies and all this <laughs> shit. It's like, come on, dude, you know, it's not true, yeah. but Hey, if you're taking if that you're paycheck, paid or whatever, like, yeah. and they dude, would call, they would call the environment a solar system environment mm-hmm. where it's just like, don't get close to the sun. Cause you might burn up. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had an issue, which or, the sun was the main house. Yeah. Which was him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you had an issue or if you, you know, needed something to get flown by, uh, you know, John and you didn't want to, you know, get burned by the sun, uh, you would float that through his head coach, which was Dave Schultz, who yeah. was the complete opposite, stereotypical California cool guy, but also everybody respected him because he was, again, the Michael Jordan of this right. shit. So he had like this special way of being able to talk to John where he can, you know, get into his head and say, hey, let's do it this way, let's do it that way. Hey, maybe there's not Russians or you know the ghost uh, from the haunted mansion at Disneyland is probably not living you know under your floorboards well, or whatnot. Technically, he never met John. He met the uh, alter eagle <laughs> or the alter uh, Chris Gaines. Eagle. No, no, his <laughs> name was they called him Eagle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They, he he refer, he had made sure he re, that everyone referred to him as Eagle. eagle yeah. So that's what his alter ego. Yeah. Know? So I was like, that, I thought that was weird, bro. Like. I don't think I would ever have someone just call me something random like that just for the hell of it. Like, gummy bear? Yeah. Like, gummy bear. I don't have people <laughs> call me that. But, you know, like, that's yeah. just weird, bro. So, yeah, he had everyone call him Eagle. And, like, even in the in the documentary, like, I thought that was pretty cool, though. Like, they had the documentary and the actual original footage and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, like, everyone on there is calling him Eagle. And Eagle this, Eagle that. Or did you check in with Eagle? It's like, that's kind of weird, dude. Like, yeah. your name's not bad. John. John's not a terrible name. Or, like, <laughs> even, too, like, people just have, like, a casual conversation, and all of a sudden, like, he would insert, you go, Eagle Source High. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought that was, that was very weird. But that's why I said uh, Dave probably never met John. He met Eagle. Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a way with him. And, like, he actually thought, like, you know, hey, like, this is my actual friend. Like, there yeah. was a friendship there or whatnot, right? So, like, if you needed anything floated, John was your yeah. – or Dave was your guy to get to John and whatnot, right? And so uh, kind of fast-forward things a little bit. Uh, there was a wrestler or coach – uh, Dan Shade, who um, John started to have problems with just because he would start to buck him a little bit. And John would have favoritism towards certain wrestlers. Yeah. A lot of, again, this is where you get like that homoerotic, you know, insertion, you know, with the movie and, you know, a few doc- documentaries and podcasts and whatnot. Uh, but it was almost like he would develop like this obsession with people. At first it was with Mark, then it was with yeah. Dave. And then it, you know, uh, went down to Valentin Yorganov. Now, I guess Dan and Valentin started to have, like, issues. Like, nothing bad, but, like, they would, like, weren't seeing eye to eye on how to coach and whatnot. And John took this super personally. Like, he just offended his girlfriend or whatnot, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so something happened where John fell down at Dave's house. And John flipped out and thought that fucking Dan Shade fucking attacked him some way. So he goes to the police and he says, hey, I've been assaulted by this, you know, wrestler Dan Shade and whatnot. And uh, Dave has to go to the police and be like, that's not what happened at all. John showed up to my house, coked up out of his mind Mm -hmm. and drunk as fuck and just fell down and busted his head. Makes sense why he was seeing shit in the trees. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was coked out of his mind. He was, you know, at this point he had developed that alcohol problem and coke problem. And like he, you know, there was more than just the schizophrenic elements at this point. Correct, yeah. It was chemically aided as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but a lot of people, and the documentary does point that out as well, is that's where, you know, kind of like the, the line in the sand yeah. occurred between Dave and John, where no, he felt... it was a line in his nose, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was a line on the table. <laughs> and on the mirrors. All of the mirrors. Uh, but that was like where, like, their friendship disintegrated, where he felt super betrayed that yeah. he would go against him and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm still tripping out about those treadmills, dude. He's got to get. He's he's onto something, dude. He might be, man. He's onto something. John Teeter. Yeah. John Teeter. John Dupont. Yeah. No coincidence. Might be the same, dude. Um, but yeah, you you know, one of the things we didn't talk about this, but there was another wrestler that had already accused him of of uh kind of coming up with him with a gun at one point. Mm The police does yeah, not investigate. His name. I think it was like Nate or something like that, but I couldn't. I couldn't remember his name. But it, police does not investigate. They kind of just brush it under the rug and go, just "Hey, that's just John being John." Like mm-hmm. you know, you just gotta. You just gotta. That's how he is. And it was. It was weird because like we we did talk a little bit about, it, but it's like that guy like he he wanted him off of his off of his property, you know. And then he like while he was lifting weights while he was benching, he comes up and points a gun to him at his chest. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, that's fucking scary. That yeah. is fucking I, I don't, scary. I don't know. Like, yeah, get the and, fuck off my property. It's all yeah. totally loaded. Uh, I don't know. The gun looked like an Uzi, bro. But I don't, I'm not too. Tech fa- nine. I'm not too fond with guns, so I don't know exactly. But I was just <laughs> like, holy shit! Like, dude, I fucking shit my pants right there. Yeah, you know, I lose my balls like John Dupont did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like and it would drop all completely man, off. Yeah, like that. But it was weird because like that guy, like I don't know what the Dan, whole, what, Dan Shade. Yeah, I don't know what the whole point of him kicking him off, kicking him off the land, but like. He's all like, oh, all right, well, I'll get a U-Haul. And John DuPont was like, all right, fuck it. And he got a U-Haul and parked it right in front of his house. Like, get the fuck out, basically. Mm-hmm. And the, that dude was, was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, and then he went to go work out in the weight room and started lifting weights and points the gun at him. Like, 
like holy shit like that's batshit crazy dude yeah and that was dan shade as well yeah because yeah. okay. that's all, why i wasn't sure exactly who it was but yeah okay. that was all because of he in his mind he thought that dan attacked him mm-hmm. and whatnot right and like that was the motivation but really it was because he felt tiffed by you know he fucked up with valentin yorganov who yeah. that's where you get like he's the bulgarian coach that yeah. comes over and whatnot John starts to pretend like he's Bulgarian and shit, starts funding the Bulgarian mm-hmm. wrestling team over in Bulgaria and whatnot, when it's just like, nah, fool, you're from a French family yeah, French, shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's also around this time, too, before we get into the end of it, where, like, John sets up, like, this senior tournament. So, like, yeah, there'd be tournaments. I thought the show was so <laughs> weird, yeah. Like, well, th- this is where your ego is like, what the fuck, dude? Like, really, you have to go that low? Like, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the wrestlers, they would go to tournaments. They would fly over all over the world and whatnot. But John would set up, like, a special dark match, if you will, afterwards where he would wrestle. <laughs> and it would be, like, another 50 it would be or 6-year-old. It would be, like, a, yeah, a seniors, a seniors tournament. Because, um, obviously, he wasn't good enough to make an Olympic team or a world team. So, this would be, like, a senior thing. And... Everyone would like, like Dave Schultz and like uh, Jorgenoff would like try to coach him and sh- tell him what moves to do and stuff like that. And let's face it, uh, John Dupont could not wrestle at all. You know, mm-hmm. he couldn't wrestle with shoelaces. He'd probably still lose that match. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> dude, like he couldn't do nothing. But when he threw through these, like I guess, like his own like Olympics, you know, because I mean, because it was a lot of people from uh, different countries and stuff like that also to compete in this in this tournament but legit older wrestlers legit older wrestlers that have people that actually made like world teams olympic teams and uh and like medalists and stuff like that and so he would bring them uh to like his his own tournament that he threw and he would pay them off just so he could win the matches and be like oh i just beat this guy and he was olympic Mm -hmm. world medalist in 1965 or whatever it's like that shows you how good i am whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like dude you look at the matches like the guy can't even fucking stand up, right? Like, yeah. he can't even get in a stance. Like, arms are all down, not even in a... Per- like, it was terrible. Yeah. Freaking and, terrible. And, like, even the guy that was trying to th- help him throw the match, like, he was trying to get John to do the correct thing so he could score points on him, and John was fucking that up, too. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, mm-hmm. it was a complete shit show. That's it, it funny. Looked like, I didn't it know looked that. like Carl Malone in there wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> is there footage of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah there is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's horrible, because, like, you're like, oh, surely they're fucking over-exaggerating. Like, no, like, you can tell, like, the guy is like, yeah, get on me or whatever, right? And so, like, then the guy has to go grab him and pull him go, on him. Go back in, in the documentary. Like, they uh-huh. show, like, the footage in the documentary and stuff like that of him wrestling, dude. Oh, it's that's like, funny, oh, that's dude. terrible. Yeah, it's like Mr. Burns, you know, like, fucking trying to go at it. <laughs> and the dude's all crossing his feet, like, trying to walk. It looks like a damn mummy, bro. Like, it's it's terrible. So, I'm just like, ah. And, but, like I said, and then, like, so he does a move that, well, we call it a Russian roll. And it's basically, like, kind of like a gator lock. And uh, he does it, but he does it while he's all flat. And, like, realistically, you don't want, you don't want to be flat when you're doing the move. And he does it. I'm just saying, like, this, this dude is terrible. But the, but they let him win. All of these, like, other, like, Olympic medalists and Olympic, like, wrestlers of that, they let him win. And then at the end of the match, you have some random guy coming up and giving them a, a briefcase of money. Mm-hmm. And John DuPont, like I said, his old, his ego gets so high and wants to put himself on a pedestal that he's so successful and stuff like that. He's And he brags about it like, yeah, I beat this guy and he's this this champ or I beat this guy. He made this world team. And they're like, putting him on their shoulders, yeah. like carrying him around like his name's Rudy and shit. Mm-hmm. No, the whole really? yeah. like chanting for him and shit. Yeah. And it's that whole thing. It goes back to like, remember like when he was younger, his mom would pay to have a friend, friend kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And it was like the same mentality, like pay to have those accolades and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go back and watch that. Yeah. So anyways, uh, let's go back with the whole Dan Shade situation. That creates a fracture. 
uh, in that relationship. And this is like where you start to see like a lot of wrestlers like kind of being on edge where it's just like, okay, it's right around the time of the 1996 Olympics. So we're looking at January of 1996. You know, the summer games are in August. You know, you have Kurt Angle coming in there with a full head of hair, drinking his, you know, gallon of milk and whatnot. And things are on edge. People are like, you know what? Once the Olympics are over and I get whatever I get, if I medal, if I medal, whatever, right? Like we're kind of out of here and whatnot, right? The only reason why we're still here is because of Dave. And a little bit because of the money. But anyways, Dave's trying to keep everything together. And at the same time, Dave's actually trying to uh, train to make a comeback in the Olympics as well. And I didn't know this, but on Kurt Angle's podcast, he said that at Dave's weight class, Mm -hmm. like he was actually still ranked number one, which is after he died. No, no, oh. yeah, oh yeah, the the month of uh, oh, wow. January of '96, mm-hmm. he was ranked number one in the world at his weight class. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, which is crazy considering, like, you know, the '84 Olympics, he was ranked number one. Did, as well. uh, yeah, that's wild. Who uh, did Kurt Angle wrestle in that weight class? No, you uh, heavyweight, I believe. Okay, because yeah, I, I, I don't remember. It was yeah, because Kurt Angle was talking about how him and Dave would wrestle, and Kurt Angle was like 200 and something pounds, and Dave was like 160. And Dave was just throwing him all over the place. Oh, wow. And mind you, Kurt Angle was able to throw Brock Lesnar all over yeah. the place, which yeah. is no <laughs> yeah. no small feat in itself. So it just, it's just a testament how right. good Dave Schultz was. Well, can you think about that, though? Like, if Dave Schultz still wrestled on the team, right? You have Dave to win the Olympic gold. Then you had Kenny Monday, Kevin Jackson, and Kurt Angle. Like, dude, that's four Olympic gold medals. In, it's the dream team. That's that's amazing. And I'm telling you now, like, we have a chance to win four this year or the next Olympics coming up. We actually have a chance to win, like, five. But out of seven weight classes, like, that's fucking unheard of, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, So can you imagine if they did that then when – America really didn't have that that solid of a wrestling team or program like in that. America too. And yeah, Atlanta. That would have been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that till like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, January twenty sixth, John or uh, Dave's outside of his house. I believe they say he's like fixing his car. His wife's in the driveway. You know they're talking about you know well that was a good pancake you made, honey. Whatever you know couples were talking about at that time. John rolls up in his driveway. <laughs> I was going to say some shit like, yeah, but I gave you a toaster strudel last night. It was better. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like that pearl necklace, baby? <laughs> Anyways, bad jokes. But <laughs> John pulls up, you know, with one of his security guards playing in shotgun or whatever, at former FBI uh, agent, and he points a, um, a Tech 9 at Dave. And Dave's like, hey, boss, what's going on? He didn't think anything yeah. of it. He's Dave John's That's fucking, John being John. Yeah. He's like, hey, boss, what's going on? And John says, do you have a fucking problem with me? And shoots him three times and kills him instantly. Yeah, that's that's fucked up, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Because like, the guy, the, I mean, I don't know if they even came down to like what what the whole issue, why he shot him. But it's like, dude, he, he was he started, never they never did home, yeah. Yeah. He, he was just working on his car and that, that happened. It's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And like you said, I don't think they ever did say anything, and I don't think he ever interviewed while he was locked up either. No, they they, they, they still don't know to this day what they exact. They I mean we speculate because of that whole Dan Shade thing. Yeah. Some people throw out the idea that he thought that Dave he was, was planning on leaving. Yeah, Dave was. Yeah, leaving. That, that, that's the rumor that I had heard too. But I mean, I mean, obviously it's all rumors. You know, we don't yeah. we don't know exactly what it was, but to play into the mental health yeah, but, thing. But I think some people thought that Dave. He, some people thought that John thought that Dave was the one 
putting the ghosts and demons yeah. in his house and stuff like that. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, because I, I, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was Mark telling Dave, like, you need to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, he's getting really crazy now. And that's what the whole thing was, why uh, John DuPont came up and did that. Mm-hmm. Which, it was never clarified what that's what it was. But, I mean, that's what the big rumor on that is, how, why he shot and killed him and everything. So, yeah. Which is fucking terrible, you know. Obviously, murder in in any situation is terrible. Exactly, yeah. Especially on this. And then the story's not done there. Uh, John, he runs to the big house, if you will, uh, barricades himself into the home. Now, mind you, again, like we said earlier, uh, John was paying the police department at this Mm -hmm. time. They were training on his facilities. A lot of the officers lived on some Mm -hmm. of the houses on the estate rent-free. So he's held up in his mansion, and while this is going on, you know, they're, you know, sending hostage, they're sending negotiators out there. They're calling him on the phone. And those, those recordings are online. You can listen yeah. to them and whatnot. And they're talking to him like he, like they're friends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. And from a media standpoint, it looks like he's getting special privilege. And a lot of podcasts, like they, they you know, they say that too, like, oh my God, like if that was us, like we, they would have hauled us out like immediately. But, it, but it's not even just a skin color thing; it's also the money thing. Correct. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's been spending so yeah. much money on the police that you know they're not going to bite the hand that feeds yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So. And it's easy to make that assumption too. And I partially think that that was a little bit to do with it. Uh, but then also too, uh, one of the police chiefs later on gave an interview saying like, "No, it wasn't just that." But also, too, we knew John. Yeah. We knew that he was unstable. We knew that there was other people on the estate. We knew that he had a fucking tank that he bought yeah. from the military. We knew he had hand grenades. We knew he had all sorts mm-hmm. of artillery that we gave him. Right. So it's just like we didn't want to have another incident like Waco, which is just fresh from happening as well. So they were kind of trying to play it safe. And so what they did is is they shut off the power and the heat to the mansion. Yeah. And so they're calling him. They're saying like, hey, John, they basically, come out. Basically to force him out. So yeah. were there other people in, in the in the mansion? I thought he was in there by himself. I think that he was in there by I himself, but by they himself didn't know too. that. Yeah. But they didn't know that at that time. So they were kind of trying to preserve life at that time as well. So they're calling him, and they're, like, saying, okay, you can go to bed now. <laughs> and this is, like, where, where you get the that's, stuff in the that's media. That's the part where I think people were kind of, like, pissed. why the fuck, why would you do that? Like, why would you approach it that way? Like, okay, time for bed, John. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's the part that really bothered people. Yeah, and so, like, they would let him go to bed. All the officers would go to bed, and then they would start the negotiations again um, the next day. And I guess this back and forth happened for about 70 hours uh, but they were able to freeze him out of his house. And John on one of the phone calls says like, hey, is it okay if I go to the boiler and turn the heat on because I'm fucking freezing? It's the middle of fucking January in Pennsylvania. It's fucking cold yeah. as shit, you know. Fucking yeah, I'm that, watching- shit get, that shit gets negative degrees up there. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've seen Eagle Game, yeah. we know. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he waddles his way outside and whatnot to go turn on the boiler and all of them descend on him and arrest him immediately. Yeah. I I could have sworn they knew that he was in there by himself. We just they didn't want to commit suicide or some shit. But well, then they couldn't tear down the house either because they don't have a fucking a warrant to do anything like that. Hmm. You don't need a warrant. You have probable cause already. He killed someone. Uh, I I thought you still would have needed a warrant on that. No, now now, now when you have probable cause, like if like if Jacob shot someone, he ran back inside. You don't need probable mm-hmm. cause. He's you know he's in there. Hey dude, we gotta go get a warrant. Uh, hey, hold on, dude. This was, this was back in ninety something too. Then, so. <laughs> it's like it's like going into a church and cleaning sanctuary. 
Be uh, like, oh, he can't come into this church. Mm. It's, he claimed cha- sanctuary. <laughs> the police are vampires. Oh, <laughs> damn. Damn. Yeah, dude, walk around with a necklace that, of garlic. Loopholes, dude. All <laughs> these loopholes. Can you invite me in, please? <laughs> he, he put a line of salt on the ground, dude. He can't cross <laughs> that shit. It wasn't salt. <laughs> he, he, oh, no, he would have snorted that shit up for yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe that's what they should have done. <laughs> At this point, you know, he was already trying to put his, like, legal team together. Like, he was trying to put a case together. And he was like, well, don't I get, like. This was right after the OJ case too, so he no, he he he, he, had, he was like coming up with like whatever would stick. He's like, don't I get diplomatic immunity because I'm the Dalai Lama? And, yeah, and they were like, uh, no, because you're not the Dalai Lama. Like, yeah, I don't know if you know who you are, but you're not the Dalai Lama, dude. And it was like batshit crazy stuff like that, where it's like, John, just go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's what we we're saying. Like all the drugs, like it, it, everything was just talking, bro. Like it, that wasn't him no more. You know, obviously. Yeah. And so basically during the trial, um, he goes from being like clean cut and, you know, short hair to looking like basically like Howard Hughes and shit, like all like disheveled and like big old scraggly beard and whatnot. And they're trying to get him off for insanity. And I mean, you don't kill the Michael Jordan of fucking United States wrestling and fucking, you know, get to claim sanity and whatnot. So the jury, uh, they find him guilty but mentally ill, which defers the sentencing to the judge. Who he gets like a weird sentence, it's like something like 13 to 30 years. It, in prison. He ended up getting a 30 year sentence, yeah. And um, I guess he gets like shipped around to like different mental facilities. Uh, Nancy Schultz, uh, Dave Schultz's wife, she files a wrongful death claim and gets 35 million dollars out of that. And I, what I think is cool from that is she starts like the <coughs> Dave Schultz Wrestling Academy, and all those wrestlers, so Foxcatcher is just done at that point, right? right? In January. Mm-hmm. August is the United States Olympics. So you have all of these athletes. That would be like if the NBA folded, you know, right before like the Summer Olympics and shit. She uses that money and opens up that academy and says, hey, for free, you guys can train here until the Olympics. And I thought like that was super cool. That is really cool. And Kurt Angle says that on his podcast. That is very cool. I had no idea about that. Yeah, so. uh, She did that at at Foxcatcher? No, I think it was, it was still in Pennsylvania. Uh, but no, not at Foxcatcher. Okay. Everyone, that, that's why I was I was I was tripping out because when you said that, I'm like, well, did she do that there? Like, no, okay. no, no. Yeah, she got the promptly got the fuck yeah, out and, of it. And, and you know, I don't. We didn't really talk about it, but all those families that were living together on that complex, like they well, had all they become, all had to find new houses too. And shit. Yeah, they, but they but, were all but, close. But they yeah. had all become really tight to yeah, each other. Yeah. Like they all became family. You know, they all understood that John was a little bit batshit crazy. Yeah. But you know, those kids, like the the people that brought their families, like the wives became friends with each mm-hmm. other, like. It was a little bit more than, you know, just, you know, one crazy thing. It, it broke apart these, like, bigger, this bigger right. community. So it was pretty sad, like, you know, once once it all unfolds and, like, um, and, you know, every podcast brings this up. Every, like, YouTube thing I saw about this of, like, why didn't anybody do something sooner? Why didn't they go to the authorities? Like, clearly this guy was, like, having, like, a mental breakdown, like, having paranoid delusions possibly schizophrenic like possibly drug induced whatever you want to say like but you're right like you don't really want to bite the hand that feeds also this is during a time period where like mental illness is not where mental illness is now like people don't really talk about it people barely start talking about it now besides like some like hipster girl with like a fucking like (laughs) like zodiac symbols behind her bed like you know on on tiktok like it's still like in a very weird like kind of like fringy type of thing where it's barely becoming more normal to talk about if going back to like the fucking 90s or whatever like this shit was definitely not happening like 
It was not like no, you know, no. It, it was definitely not gonna happen. Well, because also like if you felt like you had mental health back then, everyone just felt like oh, just just suck it up, just deal with that shit. You know, yeah, like rub what, some dirt in it. What, what's we're wrong talking about, with you? Yeah, and we're yeah. talking about athletes too. Yeah, like, for sure. It's just like you know, and then like wrestlers, and not just too. not just athletes, like superior athletes. You know, yeah, and yeah. like you said, wrestlers, like which is in, in one of the toughest sports that's out there. So yeah, it's like ma, just dude, like what the fuck's wrong with you? Just you mm-hmm. know, suck that up, dude. There's there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, Stop. Yeah. Stop yeah, making up excuses. Yeah. So. John lives a oh life of solitary confinement in jail. Uh, he dies at seventy two from mm-hmm. COPD, and twenty percent of his fortune is donated to you know some charity for wildlife preservation. Uh, but the other eighty percent is inherited to Valentin Yorganov, the you know the Bulgarian wrestler, mm-hmm. uh, which is some say I think it was like something ridiculous like two hundred and fifty million dollars. And what I thought was heartbreaking, like Art brought up, like all of those families that were living there on Mm Foxcatcher Farms, like they were close. Like uh, Valentin's children were named after Dave. Dave's children were named after Valentin and whatnot, right? And when all of this happened and all that split, no no support came from him on that side. Like he just booked it back to Bulgaria. Shit. Which, I mean, I get it. Like you're under no obligation, but at the same time, like, Y'all went through some shit together. Like, I mean, he probably bought the whole city in Bulgaria, the whole country. <laughs> probably, yeah. probably bought the whole country. Shit, Made a little Dubai and shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but that's pretty much it. Damn, that's rough. I did not know that about about him. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say like why he did what he did. I guess and like you know how much money was given to him. You said it's about two hundred million. Two fifty. Mm-hmm. So like a quarter of a billion, basically. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot not to be like, hey, here's. And that a was le- only eighty percent. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, that's a lot not to be like, hey, here's at least a, a million for a you. A couple million or whatever. Yeah, it's like give each family like a million dollars, like that way you don't feel like that big of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. But uh, to take it all, I mean, that's rough. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You're under no obligation, yeah. but at the same time, like if that was me in that situation, it's like, come on, I got to take care of you. You just lost your spouse. You just lost your husband. You just lost your father. I you was know? thinking about that because so like if. If he named his kids after Dave and Dave named his kids after him or whatever, I wonder if he gave any money to Nancy or whatever, like for the family. No. Yeah. She had already gotten what well, thirty two million. Yeah, she's thirty five. Yeah, thirty five million. But it's like, you know, I still would, I would have probably kicked some down. But then again, we're also different people. But yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's weird, dude. Yeah, but she makes it a point to mention that, like in the documentary, and it's just like even just the gesture of it, mm-hmm. just the offering of it. That I think that would have been nice, but. John in his will also requests to be buried in his red foxcatcher singlet. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was weird as shit as well. That yeah. is weird because yeah. well, he won his uh, he won the world the world championships, dude. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, you guys got anything else? Nah, man. Uh, just shout out to uh, Mental Health Awareness Month this month. You know, this is the uh, the last um is last, this really last couple month? last couple of days of the month. So oh, shout man, out to yeah. that. And you know, we're bringing up mental health awareness, which is I guess it's a good way to end this this month. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I didn't even know that. I wouldn't even thought about that. Yeah. So with that said, Art's tired. I'm tired. Jordan, thank you for coming yeah. on, giving your special expertise on this. Uh, pretty rough topic <laughs> hey honestly though that it, it was a pretty great topic and i'm glad you brought up that expertise with the wrestling background just because that is definitely an element that you know i wouldn't have brought it or you know like having somebody that oh, coaches sure. wrestling that's pretty cool for sure now um i guess the next next episode is uh porn stars there you porn go stars. <laughs> favorite, <laughs> favorite porn stars, I, yeah. I got very much expertise in that too there you go <laughs> favorite porn stars, yeah. <laughs> 
top five favorite porn stars. Yeah, and I'm Bardo right now. Anyways, uh, with that said, <laughs> Jordan, do you have anything you want to plug? No, nah, man. Besides uh, Lena? No, man. Lena Lovely's <laughs> oh my God. She, was, she looks like Velma to me, bro. Oh. Uh, yeah, listen to Patreon. Oh, wait, that's not on there. But no, nah, man, uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, if you guys want to just, I guess, follow the old podcast that we used to have, his words are hard, you can follow that on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere you can find it. And you can follow me at uh, jordan.ogin on all social medias. Yeah, there you go. So uh, if you want to follow us on social medias or you guys have something else you want to add to the Foxcatcher Hey, Suzuki Tears. Yeah, <laughs> story. Uh, we left a lot of stuff out, like, you know, the flag being flown above the American flag. Uh, he drove his fucking uh, car into the r- r- river. river, not once, but twice. And once and he with- bought a new one just to do it again. Yeah. He did it. Yeah. I was going to say, it wasn't like he did it on accident. It was like he did one and then right away got the rental and drove it right into. With the, the head of uh, fucking Fila, which was like the head of like some wrestling yeah. organization in it. That'd be like David Stern, like in mm. the passenger seat and you drive him into yeah. the Kern River and shit. Uh, but yeah, we left a lot of stuff out. So check that documentary yeah. on Netflix out. Watch the movie that I got, you know, here, you know, for all the YouTube watchers and whatnot. Open it up, Jacob. What's it look oh, like? Oh, actually, it's you know what? <laughs> uh, I'll say one thing, though. Uh, that's actually pretty cool is uh, the state of California, They, um, the most outstanding wrestler, uh, they win uh, a plaque, and it's uh, it's the face of Dave Schultz. That's and, right. And it's called, um, well, it's like the MVP, but it's called the Dave Schultz Award. So I go. think that's pretty fucking tight. That is So the state of California does that. Yeah. Hopefully, Archie is good at wrestling so I can get that shit in the <laughs> But anyways, guys, follow us on all the social medias at so Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are <laughs> at Do A1. Because they're goddamn Jordan. That sometimes sometimes that's just how a steak is done. Fucking sponsor the podcast. Yeah, already. Come on, guys. You got so much free promotion. Uh, if you want to help support this podcast and you guys are not A1, guys, head on over uh, to the Patreon over at patreon.com slash America. Uh, donate $1, donate $5, donate whatever you can, but you'll get a bonus episode every single week. And nine times out of ten, those bonus episodes are better than the actual episode that you're hearing for free. This week is no exception, guys. Uh, we have a solid, solid uh, Patreon with our special guest, Jordan. Uh, if you want to support this podcast in any other way, guys, follow, uh, go to the official website at rjacobdoamerica.com. Click on the merch links. Uh, we currently have four designs up there for your purchasing pleasure. And it's not so much to help us financially as we get a couple cents from every purchase, uh, but it's a good way to help promote this podcast. Uh, so if you're out in the world, you know, if you're at Oklahoma, Villanova, over in Philly, or, you know, at Foxcatcher Farms, or, you know, you want to do a signing with Kurt Angle, and you, you'd be like, hey, Art and Jacob Do America did a podcast about Foxcatcher. They'll see that because you will be a walking billboard, if you will. That'll help us greatly. Uh, but if you want to listen to other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to podbelly.com. Check out other great podcasts, uh, such as the world-famous Sofa King podcast, as well as Hillbilly Horror Stories and Robots Fry. But with that said, guys, I'm tired. This guy's tired. I'm, I know you're tired. Motherfucker came in with a whole gallon of fucking coffee and shit. So. I'm going to win our sleeves all holding over, bro. <laughs> but with that said, guys, <laughs> goodbye and good night. How did you find out about uh, the, the murder of uh, David Schultz, and how did that change your career? I found out I was at, I was I, went, I was at Duquesne University training wrestling, and uh, someone turned in tuned into CNN in the office and saw that Dave Schultz was shot. They didn't say he was murdered, just that he got shot. I called Dave earlier that day and left him a message and told him I was coming out to Foxcatcher to train uh, that week. I wanted to go out and tra- have Dave train me. Uh, Dave was my coach at the time, and uh, along with a couple other coaches, but Dave was my key coach.
and um, uh, it, it blew me away. I couldn't believe that uh, that Dupont uh, killed him. But I knew that John Dupont was acting a little suspicious. You know, he was um, seemed like he was always uh, sedated, some kind of drug, uh, carrying a gun with him around with him all the time. I mean, it, it, he was like a ticking time bomb. And I, I, I think that a lot of us are responsible for not seeing the signs earlier. But Dave was ready to leave. He just did not want to disappoint any of his uh, teammates or his wrestlers that he was coaching, especially guys like me. He was training me, and if Dave would have left early before the Olympics, he would have felt like he let everybody down. So he, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here until the Olympics, and then I'm gone. Right. And unfortunately, God bless him, uh, you know, seven months before the Olympics, he was shot and murdered. Uh, I know that when John DuPont shot him, John had a, a bodyguard next to him, and the bodyguard didn't know that John had a gun. Dave, he, Dave drove down, or John DuPont drove down to Dave Schultz's house on the farm where the facilities are. And our facilities were incredible. I mean, John DuPont really did an incredible job with it. But, and we had the best club in the world. But he, he drove down, Dave went to say hi to him, walked up to the car, went to say hi to him, and DuPont pulled the gun out, shot him, pointed at the bodyguard. Bodyguard got out of the car, hid behind the wheel well, in the right rear wheel. And Nancy Schultz, Dave's wife, came out, God bless her, and, um, and John DuPont pointed the gun up at her and said, get in the house. And she ran in the house, called the cops, and John shot two more in his back. Wow. And uh, then, he, then there was a three-day standoff with the FBI, or four-day standoff right. at John DuPont's house. But um, I guess I heard four days before that he pulled a machine gun on the guy I wrestled in the Olympic trials finals, uh, Dan Chade. Uh, I think Dan sued him for an amount of money. I don't know if he won or not, but uh, he threatened uh, Dan, thinking that uh, for, uh, five days prior to that, John was walk walking around his house, his mansion, and he tripped over the coffee table and knocked himself out. And he actually thought that one of the wrestlers knocked him out. So he was investigating, trying to figure out who did it. He thought I did it, but I, I wasn't there. Okay. He brought my name up. He brought up another guy's name. His last name's Lewis. And then he, and then Dan Chade was the guy that was living there full time. So he he cornered him at, in the facility with a machine gun and said, "Get off my farm!" And, and I mean, Dan was terrified. He grabbed the stuff, left, never went back. And I think that was the sign where we all probably should have said, "You know what? It's time to either leave." or we need to get this guy help. And I think everybody, it's kind of like, you know, in the WWE, um, you know, a lot of guys are scared to approach Vince, you know, and uh, Vince Garner has a lot of respect and he, he is a genius and he's great at what he does. And I have a lot of respect for Vince McMahon, but, um, you know, I was never afraid to talk to him. Um, but a lot of guys felt that way about John DuPont. You know, they didn't want to approach him. They were right. getting a paycheck from him. Uh, didn't want to, didn't run ruffle his feathers, and I think that uh, you know, although it is completely John Dupont's fault of what he did, I think that we all had we had an obligation to, to to make safety for everybody, including John, by trying to get him help. And I think that's where we uh, we didn't succeed. And uh, and and uh, now that we lost Dave Schultz, you know, he's irreplaceable. He would have been our, our Olympic champ. He would have been our Olympic coach right now. That's where you probably would have ended up. Definitely. like that, man. It's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.